It is not uncommon in our day to hear fellow Christians saying something along the lines of, well, the end must be near. Or maybe you can even hear non-Christians saying that nowadays, that the end of the world must be coming soon. With all the wars and rumors of war, with all the pandemics and all the illnesses and all the economic instability and inflation, even poinsettias, costs more than they used to, unfortunately. With all of the terrors of the world, it is easy to have a sense of, as the gospel reading puts it today, fear and foreboding. Fear and foreboding. And in a sense, when people say that offhanded comment, the end must be coming soon, Jesus must be coming back soon, when people say that, it is, in a sense, true. We are living in the last days. We are living in the end times. Since Jesus ascended into heaven and took his throne at the right hand of God to reign over us in this time, it is the last times. It is the time when we wait and are waiting for Jesus to come again soon, and he is coming again soon. Now, what God defines as soon and what we define as soon may be different from one another, but he is coming again, he promises, soon. The world is ending. That said, while the world around us faints with fear and foreboding about that end time, about all of the terrors going on around us constantly, This Advent, I want you to remember at least this one thing, and that is that Christ's coming in judgment, that the end of the world, or even just the end of your earthly life, whenever that may be, that is meant to be a doctrine of comfort for the Christian. That Jesus coming to judge you, that you Facing the end, it is a time of comfort for you. As the gospel says, straighten up your heads, for it's your redemption that's drawing near. When you look at our gospel reading and at the Old Testament reading, you can see this sense where people might become, where you might become fearful, where you might give way to foreboding. Here again, our Old Testament reading, the day is coming burning like an oven when the arrogant and the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, for it will leave neither root nor branch. There is a destruction that comes, and that does cause us rightfully to fear, to fear the consequences of sin, to fear for those who do not have the redemption that we have. Or in the gospel reading, the signs of the times are coming when destruction is near. And so you may feel that sense of fear during this Advent. You may feel that sense of fear when you hear some of the readings during the end of the church year and during the Advent season. 
But let's look at the epistle reading that Paul writes in Romans chapter 15 today, where he writes this, and he starts out with this in verse 4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Even the passages in the Bible about the coming judgment of Christ, even the passages about hell and God's wrath against sin, even those passages that might give us a sense of fear and foreboding, and even in a right way, fear and foreboding, they are given, Paul says, for our comfort. Whatever was written. All of the scriptures, Paul is thinking about the Old Testament, but this also applies to the New Testament, that all the scriptures give us endurance and comfort. Endurance and encouragement. Old Lutheran theologians like to use this verse, Romans 15:4, in conjunction with 2 Timothy 3:16. All scripture is inspired and breathed out for God by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. To say that there are five uses of the Holy Scriptures. And one of the primary uses, it even gets its own verse. You have those four uses from 2 Timothy 3.16, but the, one of the primary uses from Romans 15.4 is comfort. The scriptures give us hope. They give us comfort. They give us encouragement. And even the scriptures about judgment. So when we hear these scriptures, when we hear that the day is coming, burning like an oven, when we hear that... Christ is going to come and he's going to judge the world according to works. He's going to give an accounting of all people. When we hear those scriptures, we should stand up. We should straighten our heads and we should recognize that our redemption is drawing near. You can think about it this way. Paul says here that they provide both endurance and and encouragement. So when you hear those passages, you can have endurance like this. As the gospel again reminds you, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape the things that are going to take place to stand before the Son of Man. We do not sugarcoat things here. It is true that the wars and the rumors of wars that the pandemics and that the illnesses, that the economic instability and all the rest of it, it is terrifying. And it is hard. It's not an easy time to live in. It's not an easy time to live in when the world is corrupt by sin and things are devolving and we're waiting for Jesus to come back again. It's not an easy time. But you can have endurance Because you can be awake in Christ. Because Christ has come and he's he's shown his light in this dark place and he's put his light in your hearts. You are able to have your candle burning like we talked about a couple weeks ago. You are able to feed that candle 
with the oil of his word and sacrament and your faith is able to burn and you are able to stay awake and you are able to endure in these things and endure through specifically the word of encouragement so that on that last day, when that day comes, you can stand before Jesus and you can be confident. And that's where the encouragement and the comfort comes in. That when we hear these passages about Christ coming to judge us, and we know he's going to judge us righteous or wicked, we can ask the question, where does our righteousness come from? What is the comfort in being judged by Christ? The comfort in this is that is this that the righteousness that you have doesn't come from yourself. When he judges you according to your works, you would not be able to stand. But he has done a work greater than your works. He has lived a righteous life for you. He has lived the perfect righteous life and taken on your sin and died with it and given you his righteousness from the cross and from the tomb and from his resurrection. And now he is both the judge, but he is also the justifier. He is the judge who proclaims you righteous on account of his blood washed over you, covering you, causing you to be judged righteous. And so you can have encouragement in this, that when you are judged by Christ, you will be judged on account of his blood by your faith in him. And for that, you can have hope, hope of eternal life, hope that does not put you to shame, hope that no matter what has happened in all of the terrors of the world, you are justified. What can man do to you? What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Not powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate you from that love that has covered you, that has justified you, that has washed you, that has sanctified you. It is yours when he stands before you as judge, and so you can have hope. You have life in him. Paul continues in Romans 15 to talk about this comfort that we have through the scriptures and this comfort that we have in Christ's final coming. And he talks about something that seems kind of like a side point or like he's going down a rabbit trail. And it seems kind of off topic if you're reading through Romans. But then he says this. May that God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. He kind of changes topic here and starts to talk about you together. You living in harmony with one another as the body of Christ. And what does that have to do with being comforted in Christ's judgment? It has to do with it in this way, that the way that you get through these end times, the way that you continue to strengthen your faith and to live in faith as you're awaiting to stand before that judgment seat of Christ is to rely on one another. 
One of the primary ways that we are comforted in this gospel as we are waiting for that day to be judged by the gospel is to rely on one another, to be in harmony with one another. The God of endouragement and endurance and encouragement, endouragement, guess we can call it that, that's fine. The God of endurance and encouragement strengthens you to live in harmony with one another. This is how we are encouraged. We encourage one another in the truth. The devil wants you to be separated from one another. The devil wants you to be isolated from one another. The devil wants you to start to disagree and to bicker about little things that don't really matter. So that he can separate you and isolate you and start to tempt you back into the ways of sin. If you've been in a church long enough or if you've ever dealt with other people in a church setting, you know what I'm talking about. People bickering over who's on what subcommittee or sub-subcommittee. People bickering about what colors the tile should be whenever we get new tile. People bickering about what day the carpets get vacuumed and which direction they get vacuumed so that the lines run the right direction. That sounds kind of silly, but you know the kinds of things that I'm talking about. And I'm giving silly examples, but you can think of more serious ones where people start to bicker and gossip and start to backbite one another and they get lost from one another, isolated from one another. The devil takes people away with one another. It's like what James says about the mouth. It can cause a forest fire in a church if you're not careful. And so Paul gives this advice here. He says that the God of endurance and encouragement is giving you an ability to live in harmony with one another as you await that last day. That we may with one mind and with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And so what are the ways that we can do this together? What are the ways that we can help one another? One, I think, is very tangible and physical, like we are with the angel trees and the LWML baskets and the tithes and offerings and the almsgiving and all those things that we regularly do here and the gift cards for the seminary students. We can, in this time, in these last days, we can help one another in time of need. We can support one another with the physical gifts and physical things that each other need. We can, when someone is sick, bring them something called fire cider. Someone brought me some fire cider when I was sick last week. It helped. Don't know what it was, but it helped. We can bring things like that to one another. We can help one another in time of need. When economic instability arises, we can support one another, feed one another, clothe one another, be to each other Christ, as Christ would be for us. And the second thing we can do is what Paul says here, that we can with one voice glorify God. That's talking about worship. That we come together week in, week out to glorify God and worship. 
that we come together to be one voice together. The more we say the creed together, the more we say together with one voice, I believe in God the Father, the more we are united. Because what we say in the creed is way more important than what direction the carpet is vacuumed in. And way more important than any other number of things than you can possibly imagine. And so, Paul continues. As we think about the comfort that comes in the coming judgment of Christ, we can think about our righteousness in him, our encouragement from the scriptures, and about the comfort we have in these last days from one another. But finally, I want to leave you with this, that our comfort also comes from God fulfilling his promises for us. Paul makes this argument for the rest of our reading from Romans 15, that God is a God who fulfills promises. He says, again, kind of off topic, but it all connects through this idea of comfort, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He had promised to Abraham, he had promised to Isaac, he had promised to Jacob that the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. He had promised that the Messiah was going to come and that he was going to bring salvation to the world. He had promised that through the house of Judah that Jesus would be born. And he was. And he came and he ministered to the the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he came and he gave the gospel. And he said, back in Romans 1, remember what Paul says, this is the power of God to save first to the Jew and then to the Greek. He fulfilled his promises. He promised it long ago. He fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. God is a God who fulfills promises. And this is what else Paul says about that. Look at the promise he has promised to you. You who are not ethnically sons of Abraham, but you who are Gentiles, sons of the nations, look what he promised to you. The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and in him will the Gentiles hope. Christ is not just the Christ of the Jews, he is also your Christ. He is your Lord, he is your King, and he has come to rule in your hearts. And he has fulfilled every single one of his promises. He came the root of Jesse, promising to be your king. He is your king. He came the root of Jesse, promising to forgive your sins. He has forgiven your sins. He came the root of Jesse, promising to be your priest, to atone for you, to be your prophet, to speak to you, to be your comfort, to send you the comforter. He has done it all. He fulfills his promises, and so in him you can have comfort. In these last days, in the midst of all trials, in the midst of all sufferings, in the midst of all pandemics, in the midst of all illnesses, in the midst of economic collapse, in the midst of whatever the devil would throw at us, in the midst of all of it, he fulfills his promise to work it all together for the good of those who love him. He fulfills his promises to be your Lord, your Savior, your root of Jesse, 
your salvation even on the last day, the judge and the justifier. In him will the Gentiles hope. In him you have hope, hope that does not put you to shame, hope that is your comfort even in trials, even in the final judgment of Christ. To him be all the honor and all the glory, now and forever. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory.